I'm Richard Evans from EMC Arts, and this is the Arts Forward podcast, where guests join me to explore the challenges facing the arts sector right now to do things differently, to do things they've never done before. In this monthly podcast, we look at stories of experimentation and success from innovative arts organizations around the country. This month, we're devoting the entire podcast to the question, how do you incubate innovation in a local community? We're continuing the discussion in New York City. I'm joined by Linda Shelton, Executive Director of the Joyce Theatre, LaRue Allen, Executive Director of the Martha Graham Centre of Contemporary Dance, and Mary Saruti, Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Sculpture Centre in Long Island City. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. I've asked all three of you here because you recently participated in our year-long New Pathways New York program, which was designed to catalyze and reinforce innovation among leading arts organizations in New York City. The program brought together leaders from 31 local arts organizations to identify the persistent challenges they're facing and offered these three organizations the opportunity to begin to experiment with adaptive responses. Starting with you, Linda, what is the adaptive challenge you identified through the New Pathways program? Why was it urgent for you to pursue a response to this challenge, to find a new pathway forward? Well, the Joyce Theatre, uh, we had been looking at the artistic product that's on our stage. And over the years, I had tried different attempts to look at it and try to figure out a way to change our relationship with the dance companies that perform on the stage and that we have relationships with. And there were always barriers. No, we can't do this because we won't have enough money. No, we can't do this because the dance companies we work with will be angry at how they're being treated. So we use this as an opportunity to try to break through all of those barriers and what we think will improve the artistic product on our stage. And what was the urgency behind this to shift, if I understand it, from the number of weeks you were presenting to those that the Joyce is producing? What, what was pushing you to make that shift? Well, we had been looking at it as um, more of um, a system where we filled in weeks rather than making proactive choices on the artistic quality on the stage. And that had a lot to do with the number of weeks that dance companies rented from us versus the number of dance companies that we selected that particular artistic product and really took the risk behind presenting them. So this shift then really was adaptive. It wasn't just a technical change in the, in the way you went about things. No, it's at the very core of what we do. And we realized that we would be turning things upside down for dance companies that suddenly would not have access to the Joyce Theater as they had had in the past. And let me ask you, LaRue, what was your adaptive challenge? Well, like Linda, we have been looking at changes in the dance field and how this would have an effect on our company and how we could actually pay, play a part in the entire dance ecology. As you know, Martha Graham was definitely a trailblazing choreographer, but she hasn't been with us now for um, over 25 years. And uh, we, like so many companies, are looking at what happens now. And we looked at the dance field and unfortunately came to the conclusion that dance is something of an undervalued art form in terms of its position in the funding 
lending world and in terms of the reception by some intellectual thinkers about art. And we thought we needed to really tackle the basic structure of how a dance company works in this new environment. And so we have turned away from the single choreographer model. We have put the audience at the center of our program rather than any single choreographer. We have made audience access a hallmark of what we wanted to do. And we needed to find a way to really realize that model, if you will. So, so LaRue, what was really adaptive is uh, this need to shift from being a legacy company for Martha Graham's work to, to an organization with a, a wider role in the history and culture of the field? That's exactly exactly what it was, yes. Great, thank you. And Mary, what about for you and for Sculpture Center? What was the adaptive challenge? We were really focusing on audience issues and, and broadening and deepening our audience. Our, um, we moved to Long Island City in uh, 10 years ago now, and I think it w that was part of a, a sort of major programmatic change. The whole organization was kind of reinvented 10 years ago. And we were very focused on um, providing support and, uh, you know, a place for experimentation for a very – for for our constituents, which are professional contemporary artists, really pushing the boundaries of sculpture. Uh, and uh, we were uh, sort of for a while quite happy serving this fairly narrow constituency. But when we thought about attracting audiences and communicating with audiences, we always imagined that audience coming from Manhattan or Brooklyn or um, even internationally. And uh, our neighborhood has changed a lot, and we realized we really wanted to think of ourselves um, more locally, like micro-locally, really. <laughs> um, so that was a big shift for us. Right. I'm interested in the fact that, uh, in a way, for all three of you, there are issues of audience and engagement. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But they're perhaps all rooted in perhaps a deeper question about identity and mm -hmm. who you are. Is that fair? You're each in different ways looking to redefine, to some degree, at least, who you are and how you're perceived? Yes, definitely. And in fact, perceived in what we feel is a very um, fluid environment around us. So that I think it sounds as if, um, in all of our cases, we represent um, a kind of um, uh, uh, shift that's happening in our, in our fields. So let me ask you, Mary, what were some of the innovative responses you had to this challenge of becoming more local and opening up your audience. What did you actually try to do? We did a couple things. Um, one is that we really w wanted to be a cultural leader within the Long Island City community and, and take on that role and offer our space as a place where people could gather, host meetings of other cultural groups that didn't have meeting space, even though we don't really have a meeting space, right. but we you know make the gallery available you know when, when we're not open to the public. Um, so part of it was about that and, and also getting out into the community. We're going, we're starting, we're doing some public art projects in the neighborhood, which will put us, you know, out there because we're on a dead end street. Half our neighborhood doesn't even know we're there, even if they live, you know, two blocks away or work in a building two blocks away. Yeah. So there's that. And then the other thing that we started looking at was going online because another part of the, the next, um, you know, Outside of the, the you know, informed contemporary art audience, we thought the next group of people that should be interested in what we were doing was the design field, architects, urban planners, graphic designers. So um, 
we've uh, started a, a very active social media campaign and started a Tumblr, um, which is a social media blogging platform that's really um, utilized quite heavily within the design field. And we've that's been phenomenally successful. And I understand your Tumblr site has been recognized even so far. We're getting press as being like one of the top 10 art tumblers and we have oh, we launched it in late November. We have over 5 it might be at 6000 followers by now. We've you know when we met with the Tumblr people they said oh if you get to 1000 followers that would be great. And we're adding like 200 a day. Oh my goodness. It's, we don't know yet why it's so successful. But That's it was sort of the next stage to right. figure that out. Yeah, but it was really new for Sculpture Center. You didn't have much of an online presence before that? We had a great website and we were on Facebook and we had a Twitter account, but we weren't using them very effectively. So this is, and, and that has actually fed the way we're using Twitter and Facebook as well. Great. So that's really changed that. Let me ask you, Linda, what did you then? start to experiment with as you thought about these issues of presenting versus producing and the quality of the work on the stage? Well, we wanted to take the time to look at some other models around around the world, really, in our country and outside, and to see if there was anything similar to us or maybe a model that we wanted to uh, copy or, or find out what was good about that, things that we could take from it. So we, we had a team, which I'm sure you'll get into a little later, um, and we assigned various presenters and producers uh, that each of us took a look at, and we were very, very surprised with some of the, the things that we heard. What surprised you? Well, um, one thing was we looked at Carnegie Hall and realized that they rent out Carnegie Hall more than you would think. Yeah. Um, of course, they have a brand name and, and a quality that uh, people emulate, and we thought it was something that should be looked at. But in a way, their model is similar, more similar to the, jo to the model that Joyce wanted to get rid of. Um, and I think the way they deal with it is uh, in their very unique marketing, in that they don't have everything that's on their stage in their brochures, in their web, on their website, so they're careful about how that gets presented to the public. But um, I, as an audience member to Carnegie, I wouldn't know the difference as to what they are putting their name behind and what and what they're not. Which is one of the concerns you had at the Joyce. Yes. Absolutely. So did you find uh, any particular clues from these different presenters you looked at that were useful? We did. Well, I think it was confirmed that we were going in the right direction. Um, as a matter of fact, we did a lot of research uh, to Sad at Sadler's Wells in London, which is a dance house in London, and they've gone to the model where they present everything and they've even gone as far as producing work. So for the Joyce, that's our next step once we get to a point where we're presenting more than we're renting. Now, this is a really big step, obviously, this adjustment, this change you're talking about. How did you move on from what you learned from others to then trying some things out at the Joyce? Well, that was probably one of the most difficult parts for us because it wasn't like we could take a piece of it and try it out. Uh, for us, it meant... Uh, turning the season upside down, and it has a pretty great financial consequence to it. Um, one of the first things we did, which did not go so well for us, is we presented it to the board, and they didn't have enough information around it, and they got very, very concerned about the financial aspect of it. So we were sent back to 
um, do a little more homework, which was fine, but I'm happy to say we presented at our last board meeting and gave it the time that was necessary to give it a full-blown presentation, and the board is behind it. So right away, our next season, we're going from 14 weeks of presenting to 21, and then keep going in that direction years Out of how after. Many, how many weeks overall, Linda? Does 48. The right, right. And something very different for the Joyce is we have enough product to fill 52 weeks um, if we wanted to, but now we're making choices that maybe it's better to even have a dark week mm-hmm. rather than fill it with something that we're not totally behind. Let me turn to you, LaRue, then. Now you were thinking about this adaptive challenge. What what were the experiments, the things you wanted to try out to see if you could take a new direction? Well, we felt confident that our um, our vision, our our image of the future uh, for uh, for the company was the right way to go. We knew that audiences would be at the center of it, and we knew that we would um, our our goal would be to expose them to a broader range of modern dance, just rather than just Martha Graham's choreography. And we uh, focused on the the new technique we have of programming around a theme. So the question was, how do we get the entire organization, not just the company that's presenting repertory, but the entire organization to buy in and experiment around thematic programming? We have a very important school that's trained some wonderful dancers. We um, attract dancers internationally to study at the school. We have a very dynamic education program that is in the schools and in our studio and on tour. Of course, we have our dance company itself, and we have our audience engagement program that takes place in the theater and also um, uh, in other venues uh, parallel to our performances. The tool we used was the calendar. Every group had a kind of place in that calendar. Every group was very enthused to buy into the idea of the overarching theme. And um, we decided to kick off this sort of the public face of this tool, if you will, with an all-gram meeting, which we held in September. We invited everyone who was an alumni of the company, of the school, who had been a major donor to the company, who had uh, been a parent of a student. We really opened it up, and we had quite a nice crowd come, listen to what we had to say, and then really give us feedback. And it was really an energizing experience. Right. And that's a great example of how you sought to enroll lots of others to the new way of thinking. And Linda mentioned earlier this question of the team that you brought together to do the work. I understand your all-gram meeting was a much bigger group of people, but let's talk for a moment about team composition and getting the right people at the table to actually do this innovation work. Linda, say a little bit more about the team you had. We chose to have staff that this would directly affect. Um, We chose to bring in board members because we knew that would be a buy-in factor later on. We brought in some artists that wouldn't have a conflict with the situation, but that we valued what they had to say. And then we brought in a couple of what I would call thinkers that think outside of their own environment. Who were not directly associated with the Joyce? That's correct. So a team of what, about 10 in number? 12. It was 12 12 altogether. altogether. This group had never been together before. I think it became clear very quickly that this was a good place for the Joyce 
to go in. And that that was really coming from the artists. It was quite, um, you might say, controversial work to be doing, as you say, to change this relationship with the dance world. Um, and one might think of keeping that very interior and quiet. What was it like having outsiders on that group? Did they contribute? They did. They did. And we did try to keep it quiet because we didn't know exactly where this was, the, where this was going. Um, and we wanted to make sure that the dance companies that we do support, like the Martha Graham Company, don't feel like they're in, in jeopardy in any way. Um, but we did want to handle it uh, carefully and, and confidentially while we did our work. Let me turn to you, Mary, and Sculpture Center. What sort of team did you put together, and what, how did it function? Our team, uh, we, we had the entire staff on our team, and which was amazing, actually, <laughs> um, to engage them, like everyone, on these kinds of topics outside of the office in a, in a really thorough way. Um, we also had some trustees, and um, one of whom was an artist. And then we invited in um, another artist who we've not worked with in the past, but um, has a lot of other kinds of experiences in, in working in a really broad way. And then a, another friend of the organization who's actually the wife of one of our trustees, who's a, a really brilliant branding and marketing expert. Um, we really struggled, though, with getting with finding people who could commit to the time the time commitment. Right, and that was a major challenge for you. Let, let's talk a little bit about other things that challenged you in doing this work, because this is difficult, adaptive work that's rarely easy to do. What would you say challenged you most in the process, Larue? Well, I think we were really trying to bring a number of eyes together to look, I mean, quite a number of eyes together in the broader group, and even in our committee, quite a number of, of eyes on the problem. And this is an organization that, after all, was run by a very powerful woman with one voice. It was very, very, very top-down. And although we haven't had that model for a while, that culture was still a part of our organization, and we needed to make a fundamental shift. And we did that in part by bringing in the newest member of our staff. He had been on staff, uh, I think, a matter of days before he attended his first meeting. And our um, our board chair, who's been on the board since 1974. So we had a nice range of views. I think something that came up for the Joyce is... Um, although you want to make this part of the way you work moving forward, you're still running an organization. And to make sure that everything with this particular project was moving forward at the same time that you have a dance company that's coming in and they're on sale and you have to deal with those issues right. immediately. So to integrate these two things, and even though we had a large team of 12 people, there are still 50 other people that were not part of this. Um, one of the responses to that is near the end of our work together, we brought the entire Joy staff together, and those that participated in as part of the team explained the work we had done. And that was so well received by the staff that we were really glad we took that step. It does seem in this kind of work that the, uh, the need to enroll people and to communicate never ends. Um, Very true. Yes. 
What about you, for you, Mary, anything else that was a, a challenge as you moved forward through experimentation? Well, I think the, the it was a bit about the culture of that and also um, because I think to, one, bring everyone together and say, like, we want everyone's ideas and then try to weed through the ideas and decide which ideas we're going to get actually implemented and, and explored further. So that editing process was a little bit of a struggle. Like once we've gotten people excited and on board and participating and then to keep them excited, even though, you know, the thing that they were actually most excited about pursuing isn't the one we chose. That was, you know, so managing that kind of, um, you know, involvement and engagement and, and moving forward. But I would also say it was at the same time, one of the biggest surprises was how quickly everyone um, jumped on board with the experimentation. Like, yeah, let's try doing it a different way. <laughs> like, you know, you kind of, um, you know, especially in, you know, in all of our organizations and we're especially small where people feel so um, pressured to just get done what needs to get done day to day. The operations are so time consuming and, and can be stressful and that people were actually, you know, happy to kind of say, yeah, step back for a second and let's try something different even though it might complicate my life. <laughs> Were there any other surprises for you? Any aha moments that you recall? Well, um, when we, uh, I, you know, the three of us had an opportunity to present to the full convening of companies. And I was surprised that, um, well, first, I think there was this feeling that our ideas weren't so innovative, like, oh, a calendar, you know, that it, <laughs> what we really had to explain what the, you know, for the Joyce, it's presenting. Well, that, you know, that's what you do. Um, but at the, near the end of that convening, um, someone in the group said, look, it's an innovative for the particular group at the particular time. It may not seem like an innovation for each of us, but it's where you are at that moment. And I think more important is to, you've gone through this experience, you've learned hopefully a different muscle to use when you're going forward with your work and that you can keep that as, as part of how you tackle the next challenge. Which is sometimes less glamorous than just putting on an explosive new event, which yes. I think yes. is what people often think innovation is. But I, I've heard you all talk about the way that you used the project in a way to change the way you do business and to Absolutely. sort of build yeah. a slightly different culture yes. in the organization, mm -hmm. which I think often we miss that. We think of innovation mm. as being events, not about the underlying change, but that is the change that might be sustained. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Linda LaRue and Mary for joining me to talk about innovation in the arts sector in New York. Linda Shelton is the executive director of the Joyce Theatre. LaRue Allen is the executive director of the Martha Graham Center of Contemporary Dance. And Mary Saruti is the Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Sculpture Centre. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank, Thank you, Richard. Thanks for listening. This is the monthly Arts Forward podcast. You can check out more on our website that features multimedia profiles of innovative organisations, a blog, this podcast series, and much more at artsforward.org. That's A-R-T-S-F-W-D dot org. I'm Richard Evans of EMC Arts in New York.